This is Tech Talk Today, episode 270. Season one of Tech Talk Today comes to a close, and I find myself somewhere I didn't expect to be when we started. I thought season one would be about our trip to scale. So it's day three at Scale16X. We're just outside the keynote ballroom right now as the day is kicking off. Noah's here to hustle hard, and I'm here just to talk to people about where they think Linux but is During my drive down, I learned that this trip would represent a major turning point for Jupiter Broadcasting, for myself, and my work. I just kind of feel like second lunch and socializing. I feel like I've earned myself second lunch. I agree so, and a beer. After four years of hard work in the kitchen of Jupiter Broadcasting, our editor, Rikai, a.k.a. The Beard, is moving on. What we do next and what we need to change dominated my mind at scale. And every moment I got, I tried to hash it out. We'd sneak off to lunch and I'd sit down with Noah while we were still early in the process. I feel like I'm early enough in the process where I haven't figured out all of the things I have to fully fix. <laughs> like I almost have to be put in the position of being completely swamped and overwhelmed and then I will identify all the pain points. Since then, behind the scenes, we've spent the last few weeks rebuilding various parts of our production pipeline, spinning up new services, transitioning feeds, and I've begun editing all of the Jupiter Broadcasting content once again. Now I know that these last 10 episodes represented a season of change and a personal challenge to keep the show going while all of this was happening. 2,400 miles into the trip, and we're just mere seconds away from the Washington border. Welcome to Washington. We made it. Now, just gotta find a place to podcast. The trip to scale was excellent, and for many more reasons than I ever expected. And now that we're on the other side of these changes, I am excited about where things will be at the end of season two. Welcome into Tech Talk Today, episode 270. My name is Chris. And I'm Angela. Hello, Angela. It is the final episode of Tech Talk Today for the season. For the season. We made it. We made it 10 episodes. It's been an interesting journey. Maybe we'll talk more about it at the end of the show because we've got news to get into. And a follow-up item here at the top of the show went out on Friday night right after the show and got brews with Mr. Martin Wimpress. And Wes showed up from Linux yeah. Unplugged and TechSnap. We went to the Belltown Brewery, which uh, has handcrafted beers and handcrafted burgers and handcrafted pizza. It was so Seattle. And Ooh, so what did what did you eat? I actually just uh, sort of mooched off of Hadia's Pizza <laughs> and uh, instead focused in on the uh, mango, which they called it a uh, mangio or something like that. It had some funny name for it. I recommend it if you get there, which was a hard mango cider. Ooh. 10% alcohol hard oh mango goodness. cider. Yeah. With some jalapeno in it. Jeez. Well, I actually have a drink uh, thing that happened. I went to the OG. The OG? Like the original gangster? <laughs> the Olive Garden. Oh, the Olive Garden. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I ordered a Mai Tai. Like I normally do. And she was like, oh, do you want a normal Mai Tai or a Milan Mai Tai? And I'm like, what's the difference? 
And she said that the Milan Mai Tai is one of their house specials and it has pineapple juice, which the thing is, I, I'm pretty sure that a Mai Tai original is supposed to have pineapple juice. But anyway, she came back. It was the most amazing drink. Like it was so good. It, it, I think it might be like the one that your uncle got me at your dad's wedding. Oh, yeah. You know, because then I tried to order it other places. I'm like, this doesn't quite taste the same. But it's a sneaky pineapple juice. It was really good, but it had amaretto in it and grenadine and pineapple juice, and and it was just really good. So if you have an OG near you, you should try that drink. Go hit up the OG and get some breadsticks. <laughs> All right. Well, um, so there you go. Apparently, we went out and got our drink on over the weekend. I guess yeah. it was nice to see Wimpy, and uh, he was a gentleman. He uh, he booked the reservation, and then West, like the supreme gentleman that he is actually picked up the tab oh my goodness yeah so just it was a lot of fun to hang out with both them and uh, talk shop for quite a bit Uh, now speaking of talking shop we have lots of news to get into this week there's still a lot of holdovers from last week too so if you want to know all the hoopla around facebook or any of that crap that i'm sick and tired of go check out techtalk.today slash 268 and slash 269 for that stuff let's move on though because i'm done talking about facebook Linux Academy. Go to linuxacademy.com slash unplugged. Sign up for a free seven-day trial and support this here Tech Talk Today program. It's an advanced training tool that increases your skills and encourages critical thinking around everything to do with GNU slash Linux. Linux Academy is a full-featured training library with everything you need to learn new skills and advance your career. And if you're ready to go in for certifications, they have powerful training tools like practice exams, note cards, labs, and personal cloud servers, exercises, and challenges that help you practice, remember, and apply what you learned from those lessons. And their courses will train you to pass the exam, equip you to find a job, and then prepare you for the real engineering work that you're going to have to actually do. And their instructors have passed those certification exams, so they'll be able to answer your questions and support you in learning for your certification, because they have full-time human beings that are available to help you with your questions about GNU slash Linux and everything built around it. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Sign up for a free seven-day trial and support the Tech Talk Today program. LinuxAcademy.com slash unplugged. Before we dive into our first story, I just want to remind you that links to all the stories that we talk about are at techtalk.today forward slash 270. And that first story is one that we knew was coming. The feds are now officially pushing again to build in unlocks to mobile devices. The Department of Justice is pushing for a new industry proposal that would grant law enforcement access to encrypted digital devices when they have a warrant, according to a report in the New York Times. We all thought this was coming, and a quote from the FBI director says, I recognize this entails varying degrees of innovation by the industry to ensure lawful access is available. But then he goes on to say, but I don't buy that it's impossible. He just doesn't believe it, Ant. It's not impossible. It's just, it's, they're just not trying hard enough in his, in his view. The DOJ position runs counter to the consensus of the information security experts who say it's extremely difficult, if not downright impossible, to build strong encryption systems that would protect data but also allow the government to have access under certain conditions. Now, what's changed, you're saying? Chris, none of this uh, sounds new to me. So what's new? Well, Microsoft has uh, started to play ball. And they think really? they, yeah, they think they got an idea on how to solve this problem. And I don't like it. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> you can't do this right. And there's a history every, t- every time the, the government has uh, tried to build a backdoor into some sort of protected system that it generally comes out. And so now we have reporting from the Times that notes that a team that includes a former Microsoft security chief architect and the CTO, Ray Ozzie at Microsoft, is helping to outline a system 
that would provide police with access to encrypted devices under certain, certain, certain circumstances, and the scheme would not attempt to access messages that were encrypted in transit, like something from Signal or Telegram, or that were encrypted on cloud storage, like iCloud or SpiderOak. Instead, it would go after the device itself. When a device is encrypted, the proposed system would be able to generate a special access key that could unlock the user's data without the owner's passcode. The electronic key would be stored on the device itself inside part of its hard drive that would be separately encrypted so that only the manufacturer, in response to a court order, could open it. So the way this would work is essentially the hardware maker would include their own backdoor key that only they would supposedly have access to. And then the government would come to them and say, okay, we need access to Angela's iPhone. Wow. And then Apple would have their extra own key that they've baked in. But that almost seems worse because then you're taking this and spreading out to all of these different companies who are going to have various security practices and telling them to hold on to the secret key. And, you know, I have to wonder if Apple's like, not again. Like, do they, <laughs> did they create like a nonprofit specifically to go after the rights, you know, because they can it's it's just it's unfortunate that they have to keep battling this. I know, and here's the problem: is so say you build in a backdoor key to Android's file system encryption, or iOS's file system encryption, or Windows or Linux. Which how would you even do it on an open source project? But let's just say, for the sake of argument, that we get device level backdoor access to the government. Even if the government was able to get that and then and then convince companies to comply. It doesn't mean that the law enforcement would then be able to get the information it wants on the device because third-party app developers could just provide their own encryption inside the app and scramble the information in the app. So you could get to the app data store, but everything inside it would be using the app's own encryption mechanism. Exactly. And I do wonder if there are any statistics on how many people are actually processed with a crime due to the, dig the, the data on their phone. The other statistic is how many of the people that are in these massive terrorism crimes were already known by the FBI or by some sort of investigative body before they took before they took the action that they did. A lot of a lot of the times they're already known. And here's the other thing to consider. So they'd also have to compel all the app developers to comply with this backdoor. And of course, there's going to be app developers that are in countries that are outside the U.S. jurisdiction. Mm. They have no reason to comply. Of course, there's open source applications. You could have a developer in the states commit a backdoor. And then a developer in Iran that removes the backdoor. Right. <laughs> Just forks the project if they want. Wow. It's, it's unenforceable. And open source has a massive penetration now in the Internet of Things and in devices people have in their pockets. And this does not address any of that. And, and so not only is it ridiculous for those reasons, but then it's... It's driven by this belief system that the FBI and the Justice Department have that just say, we don't believe it's impossible. We believe it's a hard problem, but we choose to believe that it can be done. Well, that's wonderful for them. They have a belief system. <laughs> Good for them. I'm happy. Didn't we have this problem like 10, 15 years ago with computers and access to those? And what was, you know, what were the things that happened with that? Yeah, we've had this story with uh, certain types of encryption from the 90s. Mm -hmm. uh, some stuff that involved RSA and BlackBerry. We've covered all that in previous TechSnap programs, and there are several other iterations of this, too. It really seems like the lesson we never learn. Valve's learned a few things, though, about fighting cheating. So they have systems in place to prevent cheating in Counter-Strike Global Offensive. And it's always been really victim to this, because when Counter-Strike launched, it was the 10th game 
that was built on the source engine. So there was already piles of knowledge out there on how to tamper with it and hacks that were already built for ancient stuff like Half-Life 2 that could be moved over. And that made it really ripe for people that were trying to get their own angle, trying to win, trying to get an, get their edge so they could maybe uh, create bots that used highly lethal weapons or they could figure out the location of somebody and uh, attack them there. And you may have noticed if you play the game that a couple of years ago it started to get better and then it started to get a lot better. And then we started to see Reddit threads and all kinds of places start to complain that this stuff was getting shut down a lot. So there's VAC, that's one of their systems, but Valve programmer John McDonald just recently spoke at the Game Developers Conference last week in San Francisco about he and Valve used deep learning techniques to address the cheating problem. Now stick with me because it's actually interesting. So there's a developer at Valve, McDonald, created VACnet. It's a new form of Valve's VAC system, the client and server side, that it's tech that Valve's used for years to identify people that are cheating games. And it would look at like malicious programs and stuff like that. So they've added VACnet to this system. And it's a massive investment where it's sitting back and watching gamers, studying how they play, figuring out who the cheaters are. There are about 600,000 Counter-Strike Go matches per day. And so it has to evaluate all those players and all those matches, which accounts to 2.4 million minutes of CPU effort per day. So to crack that, you need about 1,700 CPUs just to do the daily work in the Valve data center. So they bought 1,700 CPUs, and then they bought another 1,700 CPUs, so they have, quote, room to expand. They have a massive 64 server blades with 54 CPU cores, and each of them have 128 gigabytes of RAM per blade. Wow, that's really unfortunate that they had to create such a large system because people can't play the game according to the rules, you know, and try to bypass and get around. Yeah, yeah. You know? You know, but it's also funny that it's sort of um, them backfilling the problem because you could also argue that, well, maybe if they hadn't built it off the source engine. Oh, sure. That everybody knew how to hack by the time the game had even come out, they wouldn't have to be coming up with all these crazy sure. ways to prevent it. But yeah, yeah. But it's not like they deserve that the, this to happen. Because... You know what it is? is? Some of these matches have like, real world items on the line like there's are serious competitions going on for like money and swag mm. so there's there is stuff on the line you mm. know you got to get that batman blu-ray you got to do what it takes even if it means cheating you know what i'm saying <laughs> so let's talk about iphone for a moment actually let's talk about what you won't be seeing on a lot of android devices from the iphone this is not too surprising but it looks like a lot of android phone makers are bailing on trying to create a face id ripoff they were all on board until they realized, damn, this is expensive. So now they're rushing to implement fingerprint sensors under the glass. And uh, this is a new report that comes from DigiTimes. They say Android manufacturers have decided that recreating the 3D facial recognition used by the iPhone X is simply too costly to include and so are now focusing on Qualcomm's ultrasonic fingerprint scanners. Speculation in the report is that Apple is paying $60 per true depth sensor in the iPhone X, which is an outrageous per component cost. For yeah. And what it simply comes down to is kind of embarrassing, is the Android manufacturers did the numbers and they said, we're never going to be able to get anybody to pay $1,000 for these phones. I mean, <laughs> Samsung might, but we can't. Mm -hmm. So we have to go with the cheaper approach. And so they're going for the underglass fingerprint scanner. 
uh, which is kind of cool. I think that's kind of a neat idea, but I, I guess it's slower in, right now. Yeah, I don't like the face scanner anyway. I, you've never even used I the know, face scanner. I know, I, and I'm not good with change, you know? I still have the 5SE, but... Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people like that phone, so... It is a great phone. You're just kind of like a small phone hipster, really. Yeah. Well, because girl pockets. I mean, do yeah. I have to say... I, it's yeah, girl that's, pockets. that is I don't, so true. I don't carry a purse anymore, but even still, the iPhone 10 or, any, or I think starting at 7 or 6. No, well, well, you got bigger? Yeah. They're huge. Like the whole, like if, if the chances of cancer like doubled by getting that bigger phone, that I think, mess? yeah, that right. The tumor is going to be, no, I don't know. It just seems it's way too, it's like a mini iPad phone. It, it just doesn't work for me, but have you heard about Apple coming out with a flip phone? No, really? I yeah. know, I know that, uh, there's some other Android yeah. manufacturers are doing that. They're yeah. Looking into it. A folding screen. The iPhone's not even a big phone. I don't even consider it to be a large phone compared to like some of the other phones that are on the market. Every time you hold my phone, you're like, oh, it's so tiny. Yeah, it is. So Also, it's getting weird that you have a button. I mean, what's up with that? <laughs> I've, I kind of prefer that, but... Yeah. Speaking of the iPhone, we talked last week about the gray key, which was that device that you could hook up up to two iPhones and it would install some background malware and eventually figure out the pass key without yeah. triggering like uh, you've entered the wrong one too many times. Well, I guess uh, I guess the State Department listens to the Tech Talk Today program. Yep. Because uh, after hearing us talk about it, they decided, you know what, want one, and so they just bought one from Grayshift for just over fifteen thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which means they have the crappy geo locked limited one. Because remember, to get the nice yes. one, you had to spend the thirty thousand dollars. <laughs> so uh, this was some sleuthing that was done, um, and somebody found a purchase order listing that uh, was part of a public data release. Mm -hmm. And then Motherboard read through that and saw that the State Department was using like a diplomatic arm um, to buy this for the Indiana State Police. The funding office for the gray shift purchase was the Bureau of Diplomatic Security, according to the procurement records. uh, That bureau acts as a law enforcement and security arm of the State Department because, of course, Every department needs their own law enforcement arm, obviously, just like the IRS does. I bet they sold a few after the last couple of weeks. Speaking of Apple, you know that Apple is trying to pull a Netflix? Do you know about this? No. Yeah, we're we're not going to talk about this a lot, but we may cover this a little bit in the future. Uh, Apple, of course, known for the iPhone and their Macs and all of that. But uh, behind the scenes for about a year, they've been working really aggressively and they plan to launch 12 projects. Nine of them are going to be straight to series orders like, uh, you know, we're just buying without even seeing it. We're just going to buy it and we're going to buy you and the whole series. Uh, it's an aggressive method where you just buy, you hire people that you really believe in and give them the money and say, go for it. And then they're just going to get 12 shows out of it. They started courting producers last year and said so they had about a budget of a billion dollars to work with. But now it's becoming clear that Apple's blowing way past that billion dollar figure. Now, you look at the rise of streaming, um, it's it's just intense. Netflix is going to spend $8 billion in 2018 on their own content. $8 wow. billion. Dollars. That is nuts. Uh, and uh, FX did a study and showed that if you include TV and streaming services like Amazon Prime and Netflix, mm-hmm. there were 487 independent scripted shows released last year. And they expect that to be 500 in 2018. So Amazon and Hulu and HBO, they're all throwing in on the money. Apparently, behind the scenes, Apple has too. Apple has brought on Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston to star in a new TV series about a morning TV show. Wow, uh, that sounds great. Yeah, in addition to that, the company announced that they're going to reboot 
Steven Spielberg's Amazing Stories and Ronald D. Moore, the producer of Battlestar Galactica, lots of Star Trek series. Um, and Outlander is coming on for, and they're bringing on so several new space dramas. They've also got deals in place for an animated series from the creator of Bob's Burgers and um, a, and a comedy series. Wow. Okay. So all of this is going on behind the scenes. Nothing has been released yet. Correct. Yep. That's a lot in progress. Okay. Yeah. So then, yeah. what is the avenue that they're going to release it? Don't know. Like, is no it going to be in the uh, okay. Apple TV? Maybe. Um, oh, huh. I don't know. I mean. I, I hope it's they're not going to put it in the music app because that'd yeah. be stupid as hell. Side note. And iTunes is a train wreck, so. Yeah, absolutely. It, oh, it's so bad. So I got to figure it's going to be like an app on the Apple TV. Okay. Um, on the Roku the other day, I was about to go choose a movie and then I saw it said Coneheads and it had the, the thing and, and it said watch for free. And so I clicked on it and it was Roku, uh, you know, TV for you or TV oh, free yeah, for yeah. you. Yeah. Roku's offering, yeah, so I watched Coneheads, but it has ads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, so that's the thing is we really have uh, death by a thousand streaming apps right now. It's mm-hmm. getting so ridiculous. So I, I, a recent report from the Diffusion Group predicts that every major TV network will have its own streaming service by 2022. Just all of them. They're all going to have a streaming service. Uh, there's already Netflix, Hulu, which are the big ones. You got Sling TV and YouTube TV, which YouTube TV today announced a, a big deal with the NBA to bring NBA sports, live NBA sports to streaming TV on YouTube TV. Sony's got PlayStation View. CBS has CBS All Access. Showtime has a Showtime app. HBO has an HBO oh. app. Two of them, actually. Big Walt Disney's launching an app. ESPN's launching an app. Big Brother has the After Dark. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, uh, I know that's not even, a network. Even the World Wrestling Entertainment uh, champion guys, the world, the, the Ultimate Fighting Championship guys, all those people have their own apps. Yeah. They all have their own streaming apps. And so Apple's going to get in on this now? This is just ridiculous. Well, they'll dominate above some of those other ones, but yeah. yeah. It's, but it's, the problem is, is you have this sort of... Oversaturation. Uh, and it's, it's worse than, like, streaming was supposed to bring us this a la carte, just pay for what you want, and now it's a total miss of, like, some stuff's on Netflix, some stuff's on Hulu. Yes. It's the, it's, it's Subscriptions like, everywhere. Yeah. They're, they're, they're not necessarily... And when you get a couple of them, you're not really saving any more money than you were when you had cable. Right. But the most important one is the Jupiter Broadcasting streaming service. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Right. So it's starting to get more and more expensive. Uh, and you have Disney that's pulling all of their stuff off of Netflix because at some point this year they're going to launch a Disney streaming service. Go, Yeah. Okay. It is these giants are turning more insular when they could be sort of like di- divorcing the, the network from the show and they could just be pushing it everywhere and making a ton of money. And instead, we have this massive media tribalism that's happening. Yes. Yes. And they're circling the wagons. And we're watching it really kind of heat up as they see this is the new way to make money because it's reoccurring revenue. So let's go all in. Mm-hmm. And instead of getting all of, all the cart packages, we're going to have to subscribe to multiple apps and multiple streaming services to cut the cord. Yep. And then you combine in net neutrality with that or uh, right. LTE caps. Yeah. It's it's a real crap show. Um, and and it, there's also this conflict of interest because the traditional TV network operators – primarily generate two streams of revenue, advertising dollars, which is the one everybody always talks about. Mm -hmm. But the one people don't talk about is they also make a significant amount of money, especially companies like ESPN, from affiliate fees that are paid by the cable companies based on how many subscribers they get because of that channel. Mm -hmm. Um, And AT&T, I'm almost done, but AT&T throwing in on that list too, they're going to launch a uh, streaming service. They're looking at a mega merger with Time Warner to sort of help, like, you know, again, build up their tribe. 
And they're going to spend the next few weeks in court defending their $109 billion acquisition of Time Warner, which the U.S. Justice Department is currently arguing is going to hurt competition and raise prices. But even if AT&T prevails, who's to say it's going to work? So we're just we're just for further away than ever from being able to just pay for the content we actually want. Yep. And there's such a stark dis- contrast in content that's created for the Internet originally, like podcasts and a lot of YouTube series and things like that, and content that's still trying to figure out how to make money from an old model on the internet, and it's just yes. getting the consumers jerked around. It's a first world problem for sure, but it's obnoxious <laughs> to watch. Yeah. Speaking of first world problems, 1% of Reddit users cause 75% of the drama on Reddit. This is based on a self-published research from Senjar Kumar and a, and a couple other individuals at Stanford University. They say that inner community conflict is designed as negative sentiment to a comment in another community. So these are users that wouldn't necessarily qualify as trolls or even sock puppets, but they're instigators. They're posting links to other subreddits and encouraging other users to, say, target or harass or even fight with other users on a different subreddit. Redditors that specialize in memes, advice, and controversial topics, which uh, is frequently things like on our conspiracy or the red pill, tend to be the worst offenders, according to this study. But the study also found that when Reddit users spoke directly with the people they were targeting or spoke with people targeting them, the conflict often de-escalated quickly. But only 1%, and uh, they have this great visualization, so check out the link in the show notes. They have this great visualization where all the users of Reddit look like bacteria, <laughs> and the ones causing the 1% that are causing the problems, you can see where they cluster in the different subreddits and um, how they infect the people around them. Mm-hmm. 1%. Can't say I'm too surprised, Ange. Yeah, no. I think I knew that one was yep, coming. <laughs> I saw it title. I'm like, that. I thought we were the only ones that felt that way. Yeah. <laughs> so this is the final episode of Tech Talk Today forever for this season of season one. <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I can't help myself. Um, and so we intend to take a little time off, probably about a week. Go to techtalk.today slash subscribe to just get all the ways to subscribe. So you just get us automatically when we come back. There may be some other projects we work on in the meantime. Um And we're going to go for season two, which uh, that's really going to be about determining if we should keep the show going. It'll be another batch of 10 episodes. The seasons are 10 episodes long. And season one was an experimentation phase. Yes. Season two has a lot of potential for fun because it'll be trailing up. It'll be wrapping up when Linux Fest is picking up. And so we'll have um, friends in town that could jump on mic. We'll be live at Linux Fest. So season two is going to be uh, a lot of fun if we can make it that long. And it's going to kind of be the deciding factor if we keep doing the show after that. Mm-hmm. We'll do two seasons because we had to get our we had to get our, our our feet under us, hit the ground running, as they say. What's another metaphor? Um, blow the whistle? No, that's something else. <laughs> um, and now that we kind of have an idea of what we want to do with the show, I want to give it a full season and see how that plays. Yeah. So that'll be season two. We'll take a little time off. So don't be shocked if you don't see Tech Talk next week. We could be working on some other stuff behind the scenes and uh, we'll have more. So Tech Talk today slash subscribe. And if you want to keep the show going and voice your opinion, please consider supporting us on Patreon, patreon.com slash Jupiter Signal, because that is the input signal we are taking the most strongly with this show is what our patrons want to see. And if you want to get involved in a conversation over there, there is a thread about what we should do with the future of Tech Talk today. It's up and you are welcome to comment on that. Or if uh, you're already a patron, absolutely welcome. Patreon.com slash Signal. Let us know what you think. Yep. And today's last day to get your Coder 300 shirt. You can go to teespring.com forward slash Coder 300. Also, I'm on Twitter at Angers. And I'm at Chris LES. And you can follow the whole network at 
Jupiter Signal, and I'll give a just a quick plug for our Telegram group too. We don't mention it too often. Jupiterbroadcasting.com/telegram, and that'll forward you right into our group. You can hang out. We're in there often, chatting away with folks, and love to see you there. Thanks so much for joining us, and we'll see you in about a week. <laughs>